The AFC title game was closer, but only because the Titans played a fabulous first half before succumbing to another onslaught in Kansas City. The Chiefs' 35-24 victory put the franchise into the Super Bowl for the first time in 50 years. And they did on the strength of a steadily improving defense and the unparalleled play of Patrick Mahomes. I want to know, and I'd like to have a strong belief, but I really don't, whether the Titans are a flash in the pan or whether this represents a step forward and they're going to be in contention for the next four or five years. I really don't have a strong feeling on this. What are they going to do with Ryan Tannehill? Is he a one-year wonder like Nick Foles was and he's going to get overpaid and when he comes back, then he comes back down to earth and his Pro Bowl season, he just got announced for the Pro Bowl, it diminishes and uh, he goes back to being an average quarterback in the NFL at best, right? Is his Cinderella season going to turn the carriage, going to turn back into a pumpkin? And the other question is, what are you going to do with Derrick Henry, okay? The general consensus about running backs is by the time they hit 30, they are done. And uh, I believe Derrick Henry is 26 now. What the hell is that? It's Brian. Yes, my name is Brian. What would you say you do here? Stone on air. I'm so happy I could die. But wait, don't die, right? I'm so happy I could die right now. I'm so happy since you left me. I could die because I'm so happy. Just, Just kill me now. Welcome into the Stone on Air podcast. Now delivered sporadically, not in weekly installments. And um, while it's been nice to not have to spend so much time in preparation for the show, like where I kind of set deadlines, like I would work into the weekend, you know, by meaning work, by just kind of kicking ideas around and making notes itself, and then Sunday night I'd be coming up with some, you know, kind of a blueprint if you will and then monday lay down all the pre-production and then tuesday do the recording and um it's been nice to not have those deadlines every week the last month and a half or so but i do miss it because there's i mean my notes itself i still do that and it's just like damn it man i wish and i still go back to the i wish i had a radio show uh not as much do i wish i had a podcast but um an outlet either way I uh, often sit around thinking, like, well, damn it. I would like to comment on that. <laughs> and not just on Twitter or uh, Facebook or wherever the hell else. But I figured it was time to do a show this week um, because of the Titans run. I'm going to talk a lot about that in the second portion of the show. It's going to be a two-segment show. Um, it's It's been a hell of a ride. And, um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reserve most of my thoughts for that to the um, to the back end of the show. I was going to do a show last week, and I was pretty excited about it. I had lined up to have Chef Charlie, Charlie Loomis, from The Feed. He was going to be on the show with me. We, we, we might still do it, but it just fell through the cracks. His schedule, my schedule, were kind of bumping heads, unable to, uh, to carve out a time. If you weren't aware, he won... Um, the uh, what is the hell is the show called? Beat Bobby Flay, I think is what it is. I don't know. I love food and I am fascinated by the uh, culinary arts. I'm just, just absolutely pathetically awful at food preparation, and I um I just but I never really sat around and watched any of these uh, food channels, these cooking shows, and all that. I maybe have, you know kind of fallen into one once upon a time over the years. Julia Child once upon a time maybe, but I never even heard of Bobby Flay. Apparently, he's a cast iron superhero uh, superstar. And uh, Charlie from the feed, and I, I he's a, 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 not a good friend of mine, but I mean, I, I've for a while spent virtually every week at the feed and still know many of the people who uh, manage and own and partners and uh, just servers all the way around. Uh, did trivia there for six months a couple years ago and loved Charlie. And he went up there and, and beat him. And it was really, really neat up there, meaning in New York. And that aired two weeks ago, 
And since then, I've watched that show a little bit more. It's it's neat. It's got a lot of fake dialogue, which is a little annoying. But, um, you know, like the American Pickers and the Pawn Shop and all those shows that the History Channel does, Geographic and G- Net Geo, and all of them do it. And some of them are, are better than others, but it's got a ton of that fake dialogue. And... Um, but, you know, I mean, I can watch American Pickers all day long just because of the things that they're, uh, you know, the subject matter of the, the objects that they're digging through in these places across, you know, the, the American landscape. I've learned to deal with uh, this, is a, this is a scripted show as much as it is a quote-unquote reality show, and that's the same deal with that uh, Beating Bobby Flay show. But that was pretty awesome. Maybe we'll get him on here sometime soon. Maybe not. All good either way. So that's going to be on the front end there. That's Talking Titans. Where do we go from here? Is this a flash? Is there any chance that this can happen again? Um, can we build off of this? Again, I'll touch more on that into the uh, second segment of the show. But the the open, that's going to be my little makeshift open for right now. Because the guy who would normally cut my dry lines, as they're called, the, the voice of the uh, of the show, um, Dylan, Dylan.Dylan we called him back at the old radio station, He's gone a little MIA on me, and I, he doesn't listen to the podcast, so I don't mind bringing it up right now. I'm not trashing the guy or being being negative or calling him out or anything at this point because it might just be mix-up of communication right now, and I've known the guy for a long time. He does really good work, and I'd like to have more of his voice work for the podcast in the future, but I'm trying to get the website domain, the registrar, as they call it, all this jargon, jibber-jabber of the uh, of the website and the podcast hosting, which if you're here most weeks, you've heard me at least mention a few times. And I've been I've been struggling and fighting with trying to get a decent website for years, literally years. And most of that just has to do with uh, the monetary angle and just the time to figure it out. But I finally got my guy, Lord Taco, who does the What Podcast uh, production for uh, uh, Brad and Barry that I uh, participate in every now and again. And he does great work with them, setting up Patreons and all that stuff. Well, he's going to help me. I just can't get Dylan Dylan to unlock the website and uh, get the to get the transfer over. I can't speak the the lingo and the jargon. I paid him what I I'm pretty sure that was the amount that we agreed for the transfer fees and any past due uh, domain registries and all blah, blah 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 blah. I paid that. I don't know what the holdup is. It's not happening yet, but I might have to get a new. Uh, voice guy, if he doesn't eventually help me out and make this transition easier. Um, if you were here last week, I'll uh, you already know, but I'll fill you in if you weren't. I had to buy another month of SoundCloud.com uh, registration for my for the hosting. It cost me sixteen damn dollars. So the first show this month cost me eight bucks. Now this one costs eight bucks, and I don't want to keep doing that going into the future. And the website is going to be the new landing page for that. Blah 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 blah. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, I'm just going to randomly touch on things here in the first segment. I'm not sure how long it will go. The Super Bowl is set. I um, I root for storylines when it comes to the Super Bowl. I don't care who plays in it. When it comes to my favorite teams in sports these days, I generally only care about my teams. The rest of the damn league, other than just being impressed by somebody who puts up big numbers or, or you know, seeing big uh great seasons, you know, and, and appreciating and respecting it and understanding it. Outside of that, I don't care. I care what the Titans do. I care what the Braves do. And that's about it. That's about it. Everything else is just kind of background noise. It's all on my periphery. So once my team's gone, I don't care who's in the Super Bowl. I want storylines. And the storyline that was uh, that the NFL wanted the most would have been the Packers and the Chiefs because that would be a rematch of the very first Super Bowl ever. And this is the 100-year anniversary of uh, professional football, of the NFL, effectively. Super Bowl's not been around 100 years, but the league, in some capacity, has. That would have been a fun storyline. But the better storyline for me is that Kyle Shanahan is the uh, head coach for the San Francisco Giants, and he was the offensive coordinator for the Falcons in 2016 when the Falcons lost that you know, historical collapse, 28 to 3 was the score going into the third quarter or going towards the end of the third quarter. And the Patriots came back and won because Kyle Shanahan couldn't stop throwing the damn ball. And it was absolutely, it was inexcusable coaching. And um, they won that Super Bowl. The Falcons won that Super Bowl. They had already defeated the Patriots. The game was over, but their coaching handed it back. So the Falcons fans hate, hate Kyle Shanahan. That makes me 
love Kyle Shanahan. That means I get two weeks of listening to Atlanta radio and people crying and bitching and moaning. Oh, it makes for fun programming in the afternoon. So that's the storyline that I wanted. Uh, Next on my list here of the Stone on Air, January 22nd, 2020, I should say, almost said 2019, um, podcast uh, show sheet is self-love in... In, in quotes, there's this trend here recently that is driving me nuts on social media of this love yourself, right? Uh, take time to pamper yourself and uh, appreciate yourself, all these things. I don't have any problem with that. I don't have any problem with that. Have, value your life. Value what you are valuable at, what you're good at, what you contribute, what you poten- what your potential is. Love yourself. Treat yourself well. If you're not going to value your your existence, who will? I'm totally cool with that. The problem that I'm having is, is this is where all the selfie kings and queens and the borderline narcissist are now jumping on board this social media trend and just tripling, doubling, tripling, quadrupling down on taking pictures of themselves and being just absolutely attention-starved. If you've got something worth showing, something important, something that matters to you, by all means, spread it. By all means, put it out there. Um, that's fine. I'm great with that. Anybody who wants to do that, that's that's good. That's fine. Cool. What's not cool is is just constantly taking pictures of yourself and then somehow attributing that back to this self-love movement, self-preservation uh, kind of movement, hashtag whatever you want to call it. It's just another excuse for attention-starved wannabes to just pollute social media feeds, and it's annoying the hell out of me. And people that I like I'm seeing are doing it. I'm just asking that, keep it in mind that it's annoying. Just be aware that these people are not getting this, uh, this recognition that they feel like they are, and especially on Facebook, anybody will like a post. I mean, just because you got a like doesn't mean a damn thing. People can't wait to get on Facebook and like stuff. If you get a lot of attention on Twitter, then well, then you're you're doing something. Same thing with Instagram. Instagram has turned into a disaster. But hey, shocking, right? It's a Facebook property. Of course it has. The stories are still all right, but I look at my feed every day. I'm like, who the hell are half these people? What is this? What am I? What the, the question I ask myself? I get it from Tony Tony Kornheiser. What are you doing? What are you doing? And I ask myself the same thing. What am I doing following this mess? And then there's also that other extension. I think I've talked about it where people get their quote-unquote photography friends. I mean, everybody's a GD photographer now, right? And they have, they do like a session and they take pictures or whatever. And then they post it like, oh my God, my hair's all a mess. Your hair's not a mess at all. I don't have, I don't even like my outfit. Your outfit looks fine. Uh, this person does, my photography friend, does such great work and make, can make anything look beautiful. Shut up. You just said not have anything to do with your quote-unquote photography friend. This is about the person who just wants to have a selfie without actually taking the picture themselves. And overall, the only thing that the selfie culture uh, tells me is that nobody else really wanted to take that person's picture to begin with, so they had to take it themselves. All right, that's it. Enough. I know I alienate some people with those takes. Occasionally, um, the impeachment nonsense. I'm not even following it. I'm not following the hashtags. I'm not watching the uh, the news channels. I watch MSNBC at 11 o'clock. Not every uh, Monday through Friday, but many Monday through Fridays. It's Brian Williams' show. I've always loved Brian Williams. He's that classic news anchor type. Of course, he's a left leaning uh, commentator, and it is just commentary. And I understand what I'm watching, and I understand digest this with uh, a certain level of skepticism at certain times. So I'm not being fooled there. So I watch that because I love him. Outside of that, I don't watch anything. I don't know what's going on here. I don't know what all the noise is all over social media, and I don't care. He's not going to get removed from office. Trump isn't. If he does, then that's going to change everything. We'll have a new podcast, and we'll go from there. But one thing I have been paying attention to is uh, the uh, some of the debates – they're difficult to watch because it's a bunch of clowns who have no chance. Speaking of wannabes, um, it reminds me when I was watching the GOP debates. Uh, well, the last 
nearly 10 years um, during uh, President Obama's uh, administration, his eight years in office, and then the uh, the 16 debates, and just thinking, look at these idiots. Look how stupid all these people look like. I mean, how, how, how dumb they look and how stupid they sound and how they're just calling each other, you know, that worthless and awful. And it didn't turn into the total name calling until, uh, you know, dipshit Trump got involved. But it still was comical. And that's what's happening with the G, uh, the, the Dems now. Um, you know, I still believe that Biden's the only one that has a chance at Trump. But he's not gonna he's not gonna be able to do it either. He's too old and he's not quite quick enough. He's not quite sharp enough, like in the moment. I think he's you know very very intelligent, very uh, strong candidate twenty years ago. Uh, very very good, well polished uh, uh, overall politician who could easily beat Trump if we weren't living in this bizarro world we're in now. And um, Trump still he's still pretty sharp when it's on when he's on the attack. I don't think Donald Trump is a very intelligent man whatsoever, but he uh, that you don't have to be intelligent when you tell your mama so fat jokes, which is basically what this idiot does. So he's got the world uh, changed in a way that we'll never uh, maybe never see it again in our lifetimes. Trump, that is. And the uh, tell-alls and the documentaries and the look-backs for the next generation to this time frame, you know, the second, the end of the second decade of the 21st century is going to be some fascinating, fascinating stuff. But he's going to win the presidency again, so uh, whatever. We'll see what happens from there. But it is just, it is just mind-numbingly moronic and just so much idiocy that goes on in our national politics. I, I don't even care. Uh, Crystal Hamburgers, the fast food joint, has filed for bankruptcy. They moved to Atlanta in 2013, and pretty much ever since they did that, they have been having terrible financial problems, maybe because they bit off too much they could chew with that overall move. They've invested heavily into refurbishing and replacing many of their locations across the southeast. I think they have 300-some-odd locations and uh, when they left here in 13, left Chattanooga for Atlanta, I said, screw them. And really, at the end of the day, screw most fast food joints. It's all a bunch of garbage, and Crystal leads the way. I mean, it's great for uh, I'm drunk as hell on a Saturday night, you know, gorging a 12-pack, a sack full of crystals and chili cheese puffs. Blech, it's disgusting. And, yeah, pack up and leave Chattanooga, and that's when all the financial problems really started to pick up, and that's been seven years ago. So screw you, Crystal. A couple more here, and then I'll get out and do the uh, final segment talking about the Titans and the uh, AFC Championship game and who I watched it with and who I saw and the overall experience and just how sports in general I think are very, very important to a strong community, to a strong culture. That's coming up here shortly. Uh, so a couple weeks ago, remember we had storms come in on that Saturday. Didn't end up being any big deal around here, but it was one of those, keep your eye on it, keep it. Keep your eye out. You never can be too cautious uh, anymore When after we've dealt with this now, most uh, earlier and into the middle portions of the last decade. It just got me thinking more, though. Meteorologists are good at what they do. There's so regularly times where we have the idiots and morons and numbnuts on on social media, more, most specifically Facebook. Oh, these weathermen always get it wrong. And the fact of the matter is, is that meteorologists get it right virtually all the time. And the reason they get it right virtually all the time is the technology does all the work for them. I mean, they're not God, right? They can't tell you exactly what's going to happen. They have to rely on science and radars and barometric pressure and all this, and that stuff changes. But generally speaking, the good ones, which really all they have to do is be able to be communicators and be able to uh, make sure that you understand the message they're trying to send. I could be a meteorologist. You just need a good broadcaster who understands the lingo. I just need to study it a little bit, and I could be a hell of a meteorologist. Um, and it's probably more complicated than that, but you get my point. They said a week and a half, well, at least a week before that these storms were going to come through on a Saturday at around 3 o'clock. And guess what happened on that Saturday around 3 o'clock? 
I'll tell you what, because I remember where I was. I had to make a quick trip over to Walmart. And I remember it because it was two weeks ago. And then I wanted to get some Chick-fil-A. So we had some food at the house before the storms got here. And it was right at 3 o'clock. And about 30 minutes after I got home, the storms came through. We didn't get anything much, just some wind, some uh, rain, and uh, you know a little bit of a concern because David Glenn has got his sleeves rolled up. And David Glenn is the rock star of Chattanooga, man. This guy is incredible. He knows how to do this. Paul Barris, nothing. Paul didn't say anything. David Glenn told you it was going to be this way. And I had him on. We were watching it. And you could tell, okay, nothing severe is coming through here. And it's fast moving. Thing blew through in about an hour and a half. Wasn't a big storm. No problems. Nobody had any damage around here in Chattanooga. But some people did in the southeast. Point only is this. That was excellent, excellent meteorology. And they had it right all week long. And they have it right almost every day. Today, it was freezing-ass cold, 39, 40 degrees for the high. Guess what they said it was going to be? That. Guess what they were going to say? It's going to rain on Friday and going to be back towards the 50s into the weekend. Guess what's going to happen going into the weekend? Exactly that. They're almost always right. Where I, I guess the, the, the misconception around here, just the, the flippant knee-jerk, oh, these meteorologists are always wrong. I guess that just comes from this area of the world being so snow-starved because we never get it and because we're in an atmosphere that makes it very difficult to be able to predict, is when they say there might be snow and then there's not, then everybody gets pissed off and is like, oh, these meteorologists suck. Well, they told you it was going to be wet. They just can't predict the freaking future, guys and gals. But anyway, I'll digress from that. Just keep an eye on anything David Glenn's doing. If he's talking... Listen, and you'll be fine. And uh, let's see. Oops. Uh, one more thing. All right. So I was talking about the Democratic uh, debates and the impeachment and the uh, can't stand any of this mess. I love this, though. Uh, all the Bernie bros are losing their bleep over this. Hillary Clinton blasts Sanders, won't uh, commit to backing him as party nominee. She says there's a four-part Hulu documentary coming out called Hillary. I actually can't wait to watch that says, quote, he was in Congress for years. He had one senator support him. Nobody likes him. Nobody wants to work with him. He got nothing done. He was a career politician. It's all just baloney, and I feel so bad that people got sucked into it. I'm not saying I necessarily agree with what she's saying. I just think it's funny that she is saying it. Uh, Continues to go on and says, I will say, however, that it's not only him. It's the culture around him. It's his leadership team. It's his prominent supporters. It's his online Bernie bros and the relentless attacks on lots of his competitors, particularly the women. Clinton said Sanders has not only permitted this culture, but is very much, quote unquote, supporting it. Don't know if any of that's true. I just thought it was funny. And uh, yeah, the Bernie bros, man, they are annoying. The Bernie bros are annoying. Elizabeth Warren is a freaking kook. She is a nut. I'm going to get rid of all your your student loan debt. All right, just shut up. Just shut up already. Come on. Focus on focus. Let's let's just just try to get one step at a time here. On on day 1, this is like uh, all the Republicans saying, "On the day 1, I'll tear up Obamacare." It was the guys like John Kasich saying, "On day 1, you'll tear up Obamacare." Do you even understand what being the president is? You children. And that's what the same thing is happening here. On day one, I'll excuse all or forgive all student loan debt. No, you won't. You're a liar. On that, <coughs> excuse me, on that, I am going to transition to talking about the Titans-Chiefs game. I, what I believe is the importance of, uh, of the arts, of music, of uh, perf- uh, competitive sports, um, culture, anything that... that uh, that showcases talent, etc., etc., and my deep love for this Tennessee Titans team. I already knew, but after reading this piece from the Ringer.com, there was so much identifiable and uh, relatable content in it, it. It quite literally teared me up. And I'm gonna read portions of that. And who did I watch the game with? Who was in the building? And what other memorable thing happened involving a somewhat celebrity? I will get to all that coming up next as the Stone On Air podcast continues for January 22nd, 2020. I'm so 
respects to the king of WWE. I hear rumors I might be the hand of the king by the end of the month. Baron Corbin. That is elite company, Byron. Want to go in there and kiss his royal feet, too? If he asked me to. Baron Corbin as king of the ring. Well, that is just a breath of fresh air. <laughs> but now you're starting to realize I'm not only the king you wanted, but the king you needed. I'm somebody you can believe in. And I'm a ruler that exemplifies everything it takes to be king. I am dominant, I am strong, but I am also generous and fair. But the real reason, the real reason I wanted to bring you out here is because you're a perfect example to all these people. You're just like every single one of them. You show them that no matter how big you dream and how hard you work, well, in the end, you just come up short. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you laughing? Because the king is a... Oh, oh wait oh. a minute! Down goes the king! Now that's funny. The, the throne! The throne! This is oh, the, terrible! Oh my gosh, the throne! What's going to happen? Oh, no! I mean, oh. always tear the thousands of dollars, not the sector! Oh, oh. oh God! Corbin, ask for it. It's good to be king If just for a while Welcome back into the show. Yeah, to give them a smile. And yes, I have a guilty pleasure in life. And it's especially this time of year. Leading up to WrestleMania. I am a fan of the WWE professional wrestling. Wood swing. Oh, if I King. And um, one of the top wrestlers are pushing right now. Not one of my favorites by any stretch. Don't even care about him at all, really. His name is, or right now, his name is King Corbin. Baron Corbin, I think. It's a fake stage name anyway. He won the King of the Ring of pay-per-view uh, at some point last year. And uh, so now he's running with this King Corbin um gimmick this uh persona and the uh wait oh, lost my music there anyway all right the um wwe was in town this past weekend on sunday night for a house show so these are just small shows they run around to smaller cities and just send you know a couple people you've heard of pretty well and then a bunch of nobodies and also rands and they do the the, the little wrestling show and make some extra money off of it and it's really no big deal. And it can be fun if that's, you know, your thing, if you're into it. Kids freaking love it. They they don't know any different, whether they're watching the huge million-dollar production on Monday Night Raw every week or whether they're sitting in the McKenzie Arena seeing a couple of bells and whistles and having them in person. It's actually a very pretty inexpensive way, unless you start buying all the merch crap at the table, to take your kids. Anyway, they were here on Sunday at 7 o'clock. And last time I went to one of these was a couple of years ago. Don't go to them often, but if I got some free tickets, I'd definitely go. And I saw that they were going to be here, and I could easily get free tickets if I just tried, but I saw it was on Sunday, AFC Championship game Sunday. And um, I just, you know, I'm not, all I care about is the, the Titans and this football game. This is the most important football game in 18 years. It's the third most important football game in the history of this franchise being located in the state of Tennessee. And I'm going to talk a little bit more here in a little bit uh, before I wrap up this segment about the importance of sports, what they matter, should you put this much effort into it but and this much emotion into it. But I'll, I'll save that for a few minutes. I'm just talking about this specifically on Sunday. And um, normally when I watch games I uh, that are very important – I kind of need to be isolated. Don't want to go to a party. If the you know the Titans made the Super Bowl, the last place you'd find me would be at a Super Bowl party, picking Super Bowl squares, eating chips and dip, and talking about you know what happened last week or last month or who's sleeping with who. F you, F all y'all. I I got a game to watch, and if it's got to be by myself, that'll be just fine. And this game was close to that important. Uh, but based or, or because of some anecdotal stuff I won't bore you with, 
this was a day that it made it made sense to go out. Let's go out and watch the game. And let's go to a place where they designate, you know, a, a, a watching experience. And I love Buffalo Wild Wings for, from a franchise standpoint. And I know the guy who runs the downtown location, Michael. He's been there forever. And he's a huge uh, Titans fan. And uh, let's just go to Buffalo Wild Wings. We'll grab a seat. We'll get there early. You know, I can I can concentrate on the game. I can stand. I can walk. I can pace. I can do all the same things I do at home. And there's going to be plenty of people there. It, it'll be fun. And so me and Brittany, my girlfriend, went. And, um, you know, that's not her thing. But she appreciates, you know, she appreciates that kind of vibe. And um, I get there, and I'm so nervous. And I'm so, so damn uh, just, just anxiety filled over this game because I just don't think we're going to win. This Chiefs team is just too damn good. But I still, I mean, I just watched them beat the Ravens the week before and that wasn't supposed to happen either. So there's no reason to be like, oh, this isn't going to happen. This is excitement. This is real. This is not a fabrication. And um, I get there and I see this table next to me and it's mostly Titans fans based on what they're wearing. And there's this guy sitting there at the table in a Chiefs jersey, like a NFL-sanctioned, licensed jersey. And he's a big dude. And he looks like he would he plays for the Chiefs. That's how big of a guy he is. And I am my mind is so out there, just so stressed over this game. I don't even I don't even think about it. And I see him several times because they're looking around the room when something happens. And we're up early. We're up 10-0 early. We're up 17-7 earlier. I mean, we're freaking out. We're having a big old time. But I'm still as nervous. I get more nervous by every second. And I still keep noticing this guy, tats on his side of his neck. You know, it looked like he either just got out of jail or he just got cut from the practice squad or something. And the game goes on, and um, and all, now this is all going to be hindsight. Uh, and, and just, you know, my peripheral, kind of my brain going back, rewind. You know, oh, wait a second. I did, wait, hold on. I do remember that now. So... Game's over. We're all dejected as Titans fans. And I'm seeing this guy taking pictures with people. Just just one group of people. Not a whole bunch. Just one. And I just figured they were friends or something. And then a friend of mine from across the room comes over as they're leaving and says, Hey, so that guy I was texting you about, because someone's they were she was like, Yeah, we're gonna have to beat up that that Chiefs fan because he was playfully kind of jarring with Titans fans. None, it was all in jest, all in fun. And I was like, yeah, okay, I didn't know who, that, who you were talking about. She's like, yeah, apparently he's like a wrestler or something. And I was like, wait, what? A wrestler? Who? Wait, who? And she's like, yeah, we looked him up. It's like Corwin or something. I was like, oh, my God. King Corbin was sitting next to me, one table over, this entire afternoon. Now, I don't get starstruck or anything like that. I just love to have a, you know, walked over and said, hey, man, can we just take a picture real quick? Go Titans. Hell yeah, great to see you. He was down at the at the bar. I talked to a couple of people he was at the table with as I left. They were just uh, mutual, you know, kind of acquaintances and friends that he knew from Tennessee that met him there to watch the game before the wrestling event. And after talking to them and then now starting to think back and, you know, kind of getting over the fact the game's over and just like, man, of course, now I remember this, and he was talking to him, and they were jarring him, and they were talking a little bit of smack over here. I, I would have loved to have been involved with that, except I was so stressed out. I was so just, I mean, I was not quite panic attack. I don't want to over-dramatize it to that, but I, I just didn't care. I didn't care about anybody in the world at that moment other than watching this football team play. So just to put the wraps on this overall uh, portion of the story, so this King Corbin dude, he is from Missouri, so likely a lifelong Kansas City Chiefs fan. And what was probably about an hour, hour and a half later, uh, he had a little fun at the expense of Titans fans at the house show at UTC Arena. The WWE, the official account, uh, tweeted this out, kind of a, it's the, you can't hear it very well, I'm going to go ahead and play it anyway. It's not quite cell phone video footage but it's close but he's taunting the titans fans while he's still wearing his kansas city chiefs jersey
So he says, so just like your Tennessee Titans bowed down to the Chiefs, you can all bow down to your king. I thought it was uh, brilliant, just brilliant. And really, actually, I just thought of this. It worked out so well with his gimmick and his shtick because our running back, Derrick Henry, has always had the nickname King Henry. But over the last two and a half, three weeks, when he's been getting so much national attention and memes and all the internet, you know, screwing around videos and kind of stuff, King Henry, crown him. And uh, and then he's able to come out there and do the, you know, the King Corbin thing. It just worked out beautifully. Now, the thing is, most people that are at that wrestling show don't care about the Titans all that much, or they would have been uh, sulking and sitting around very, very uh, disappointed, bummed, upset, sad about losing that game and not exactly interested in watching a wrestling show. Um, But that's how the WWE works, and that's part of what makes it so great. And while it was very, very disappointing, at least there was kind of a fun little story to add to it. But... I really do think, as I transition into kind of the second uh, portion of this segment, that having a strong emotional tie to organized sports is very it's very important. I think it's good for young people. I think it's good for uh, certainly young and then building it into your adulthood and then passing that generation to, to, to the next generation to whether it's your kids or, or cousins or other people who are impressionable creating a culture, creating like family heirlooms of, of, and I don't mean heirlooms as in an object, but family traditions, things like that. I think it's really important. And it's really easy for people to say, oh, yeah, this is stupid. Oh, I can't, can you believe how much money these players make? This is absurd. Nobody needs to make this kind of money. I I can't believe you guys get so, or gals get so caught up in all this. This is just, it's just a game. You know, I know that's easy to do, and you know, I, I guess to a certain degree, you're not wrong if you wanted to make that argument. You can certainly come up with the the right ammunition for that argument. I just think that well-rounded people are important. People who um, have a good head on their shoulders and a sense of of reality don't take themselves too seriously and understand the the depth and the gravity of the situations around them. Just overall well-roundedness. I think that these people really do value things that they don't even necessarily understand because things that that you're not even necessarily into if if you're well-rounded and you care enough to be observant enough you can appreciate things that you don't necessarily like you know I don't get ballet right I don't get opera I don't get cheerleading competitions or like dance recitals right like I don't get any enjoyment out of that but I can understand the importance of and the um, the fundamental character building that these kinds of activities can bring to not just the youth, but certainly starting with the youth, and uh, impressionable minds into their adolescence, young adulthood, and even into their way older adulthood. And I think organized sports, starting from professional on down, is a perfect example of that. Well-rounded types very much... Uh, appreciate hard work, success, talent, uh, effort, teamwork, camaraderie, excitement, emotion, and the arts and music and organized sports and all the things I've already mentioned all exemplify that and should be celebrated and encouraged and not looked at as, oh, well, that's just kind of silly. Right. I mean, passion is one of the most incredible emotions that a human being can have. And I do find more often than not that people that I'm around generally do appreciate passion. And I have passion for my teams. And that is the Braves and that is the Titans. And um, I've been a season ticket holder since 2013. And this was the first year where I was actually starting to think, why am I doing this? Going back to what I, you know, from my Tony Kornheiser thing that I ask myself, what are you doing? What are you doing? Why are you spending all this money? What are you, what, what, what are you doing here? Well, that changed, you know, after this run. Mainly because it reminded me of something I say often over the years that's a little bit more on the positive side when I'm 
known for being the negative, pessimistic type, is that in anything in your life, never miss an opportunity to get excited. Never miss an opportunity to to feel, not just feel, but express and share emotion. If you, especially if it is authentic, don't let anybody tell you that that's silly, that you care that much about something. I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's the WWE world champion at WrestleMania. If that means something to you and that causes for emotions to overflow and for excitement to happen, don't let anybody tell you that it's it's silly for you to do that. I I and I encourage you to not to not, you know, try to let your opinion on something that you think's dumb kind of make somebody else feel like their excitement, their emotion isn't worth it. And I'm not suggesting that anybody listening to this would do that. I think we just all we're all selfish natured and can be like, that's stupid. Can you believe they like that? How moronic is that? Like, you know, that that's it's kind of nonsense. I mean, some people can have their moments ruined by other people's assholishness. And I know, no, 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 for a fact, Tara, I'm ashamed to say it. I've done that uh, in the past when someone's excited about something. Oh, that's just dumb. Why do you care about that? But sports are fun. Sports are fun. And my teams give me a lot of heartache, but they give me a lot of joy as well. And uh, I'm going to do a little read to your radio, read to your podcast in here on the way out and wrap it up. I found this piece from The Ringer, and it's by Jordan Ritter. It is from January 17th, so as of this recording, that would be exactly one week ago, and it was before they lost to the Chiefs. So remember, anything I'm reading here was written while they were still in the playoffs getting ready for the AFC Championship game. The headline is, The Titans' Real Music City Miracle Winning Over Nashville. And this piece is probably a 10, 15-minute read if you were to go word for word, and uh, I'm not going to do that, so I'll do some commentary as it goes along. The typical middle-of-the-pack Titans are one win away from the Super Bowl after knocking off the Patriots and Ravens, but finally converting the state of Tennessee might even be more improbable. And that's something I've been irritated with, and a lot of the hardcore fan base has been irritated with for many, many years, decade at least, that uh, the city of Nashville just doesn't care about this team. Uh, it starts here by a long uh, par- several paragraphs talking about the mediocrity of the franchise. Then it says, all of a sudden, in the second half of the season and in these playoffs, that mediocrity has vanished. And the Titans now find themselves one win away from the Super Bowl. Along the way, they've been stirring something long dormant in their city drawing new fans who have never before paid attention and rewarding the old ones who have stuck with them through season after mediocre season, hoping a moment like this might someday arrive. This is a quote from Brandon Gall. He's on ESPN Radio in Nashville, I'm pretty sure. If it's not a cool party, Nashville will move on quickly. When the party gets dull, they'll lose interest. And the Titans have been, let's face it, very dull for a very long time. I think Nashville just likes to be cool. It's an image-conscious city packed with people pursuing their own versions of outward-facing success. Now, for the rest of this uh, piece, it's going to be anecdotal to people that they were talking to or that they knew involving the Titans and the fandom, and it really resonated with me a lot. It was the main reason I wanted to read a lot of this, and I'll be honest with you. I'm not really, you know, feeling all emotional right now, but when I was doing my first read-throughs on this earlier today, about three hours, four hours ago, I started bawling, well, I won't say bawling, heavily tearing up reading some of this on uh, the rest of the way out here. I don't think that's going to happen here, but if it does, I'm just going to let it roll, and I'm just giving you a forewarning. I'm not the kind of guy that can just start crying on command, but it's, it hit me pretty hard, and I, if you're a Titans fan, a very, very, very... Uh, devout Titans fan, I, I hope it hits you the same way. We'll continue with the piece. This is where he's uh, interviewing just a random fan uh, for the piece. The whole fan base was incredible compared to now, speaking of 20 years ago when the team first got to Nashville. The stadium was packed, the atmosphere electric. They would toss beach balls around, 
danced to rock music, and the team was great, winning 13 games in both 1999 and the year 2000, led by Eddie George and Steve McNair. The franchise officially changed from the Oilers to the Titans and promptly made the Super Bowl. Fan goes on to say, we thought, hey, this is going to be a normal thing. We're always going to be this good. Instead, the elite roster slowly disintegrated. Among the fans, lethargy took control. After getting an immediate taste of success, Tennessee fans had to settle for the reality faced by fans of most franchises across the league. No matter who you root for, unless it's the Patriots, most years, your team isn't going to contend for a title. Okay, this is the tail end of, again, this very long uh, write-up on the Titans from last week, and I'm going to read it verbatim straight through. And this is the part that started to choke me up a little bit because it made me, it, it reminded me of me to a certain degree, but it reminded me of my brother up in Nashville even more. And before he ever ended up in Nashville, he was a huge Titans fan. And so much of this just resonated with me and just made me think, man, all this that we go through just to have maybe a moment, maybe a moment. It really choked me up earlier. Again, I don't think it will right now, but it is fun. Uh, it's fun to read to you, and I, I hope you can identify with it here. So we'll continue here. He, the, the writer of this piece is talking about his brother, who is a huge Titans fan. Over the years, Nathan, that's his brother, has found the, the Titans thrilling in ways that defy my comprehension. And he has tried desperately to convince me to find them thrilling also. In 2009, he called breathless after Vince Young led a game-winning 99-yard touchdown drive against Arizona in a regular season game. Side note, I remember that game. Two years later, when Young flamed out and left the team, he asked hopeful whether I thought the number 8 draft pick Jake Locker would become one of the best quarterbacks in the league. He has sung the praises of Kerry Collins and expressed appreciation for Jeff Fisher. This very season, he told me he believed that if given some time, Marcus Mariota would turn things around. I'm quite literally getting chills reading this because I've said all those same things. It's been dark. Time and again, he and I will be together running through our hopes and our grievances over the potential and the failures of our favorite teams that we both love. And he eventually asks, half-joking, how about them Titans? And then he smiles. He knows this is the point when our sports conversation has ended, that I have no answer to any question about the Titans. He knows that I am like most of America and a decent chunk of Nashville, only faintly are aware that the Titans even exist. Until this past Sunday, I saw him in the morning, hours after the Titans stunned the Ravens, and we talked through their previous night's game. We relived John U. Smith's miraculous catch and Derrick Henry's jump pass touchdown and all of the forced turnovers and red zone stands in between. We talked about what was next, assessing the team's chances against the Chiefs in the title game. And then for a brief moment, he entertained what might lie just beyond. He said, when I think about winning the Super Bowl, I can't help it. I always tear up. I looked over and saw that he was telling the truth. Right then and there, his eyes filled with tears. Like all Titans diehards, he years ago learned to be electrified by the mundane. But now, when faced with something actually thrilling, the thought had overwhelmed him. He's a Titans fan. That means finding a way to love everything this franchise has long been. And now it means barely comprehending the reality of what it could soon become. And, um, oh my God, that's just so great. That's so perfect. That exemplifies everything that a real Titans fan has thought and had to deal with over all these years. Is it silly? Is it ridiculous we spend this much time and emotion on something like this? No. No, I, I, don't, I don't think it is. Uh, I, I, I do our text messages during that game. I have a thread of about 
nine, ten, eleven of us, including my brother and many other very, very, very staunch hardcore uh, Titans fans. The one concern I had going into the game was that if we if we lose this game, I don't even care if we win the Super Bowl. If we lose this game, this amazing run, this this improbable run of wins that we have done will kind of go unnoticed, you know, as the time goes by. Yeah, remember that time we beat the Ravens? Yeah, that Patriots too that year. They weren't really that good anyway, right? You know, I, I guess I am was still in awe of what happened, but I also understood that winning that AFC championship would cement this team as something that I would never forget the rest of my life. And you know what? For me, for my memory bank, for my personal emotional roller coaster, I never will forget it. But there is always nice to have that stamp in history that the rest of the league, the rest of the football world would remember it as well. But either way, just the the way he broke down that, uh, oh, Jake Locker, he's going to be, he's going to be the best. When we were going to get Peyton Manning, or we thought we were going to get Peyton Manning right uh, a a few years after we drafted Locker, it was like, oh, can you believe it? We might get Peyton Manning if we don't get Peyton Manning. Screw Peyton Manning. I hate that guy. Uh, Kerry Collins, there's talk about him coming in to replace uh, Vince, uh, Vince Young. Oh, that's going to be the worst thing ever. Then we're 13-3. and three. We're going to the playoffs with a, a, the, the road to the Super Bowl going through Nashville. KFC is what we call him. Kerry and Collins. You know, it's, ah, it's so much fun. It is so much fun. All right, uh, that's it. I'm going to wrap up the show now. I'm tired. It's 11.39 on Tuesday the 21st. This will be available on Wednesday the 22nd. If you listen to even 10 seconds of anything I've ever done in my life, I love you to death. If you've listened to going on an hour of yet another podcast, I love you even more. Talk to you soon. When? I don't know. Hopefully have the website stuff taken care of to where I can start hosting things sooner than later. I will probably try to cram in one more podcast before the SoundCloud subscription ends. I am not paying another 16 bucks. I'm tired of spending money I want to make money. Y'all have a great rest of the week, and I love you to death. See you later. Bye. It's good to be king, whatever it pays. Excuse me if I have some place in my mind.